In 2005, two brothers hit the road to chase demons and fight monsters. You know, like you do. After 15 years, they made television history and built a community of dedicated and lasting fans. Sure did. I'm Rob Benedict, and I played God, a.k.a. Chuck Shirley. Yeah, you are, and yeah, you did. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I play the Archangel Gabriel, a.k.a. the Trickster, a.k.a. Loki. I also had the privilege of directing a bunch of episodes of the show. Have a few more a.k.a.s, why don't you? Jeez. A.k.a. you're a jerk. Though we've been involved with the series for years and multiple seasons, we never sat down and watched the entire show. Oh, that's not true anymore. Now... We're deep into it. We are going episode by episode and diving in with the folks who made it to bring you an insider's point of view and some great behind-the-scenes stories from the writers, producers, crew, and actors. And you're getting our pure, honest, unfettered reviews. And along the road, let me tell you, we're becoming fans. Buddy, we are super fans. We've heard you saying it for years, and we finally get what all the excitement's about. This show holds up after all this time and deserves to be watched and rewatched. We will be hitting on some spoilers, so consider yourself warned. And if you have any angry emails you want to send, please direct them to Babo. Thank you for joining our journey and listening to Supernatural Then and Now. Hey everybody, this is Rob Benedict. And I'm Richard Spade Jr. We're talking about Season 4, Episode 20, The Rapture. The Rapture. It must seem like everyone in the world knows about this podcast, but we frequently meet folks who say they just heard about it for the first time. What podcast are you referring to, Rob? This this very one, Supernatural, Then and Now. Wait, I, I'm confused. What You do a podcast? We, so we do this podcast. It's called Supernatural, Then and Now. You and I host it. You're kidding me. I had no idea. Yeah. So now you know. And so, and scene. So that's what we're talking about, everyone. <laughs> Tell a friend about the Supernatural Then and Now podcast. Thank you very much. I was playing the role of guy who doesn't know about podcasts, but should know about podcasts. And you know what's weird, people? I had to audition for that. Yeah. I was playing the role of uh, annoyed host. <laughs> you know what's also interesting? I wasn't Rob's first choice for the role. <laughs> oh, no. Still, you still aren't. <laughs> Brendan Meyer backed out. <laughs> if you don't follow us on uh, the podcast on social media, please do. And... Uh, <laughs> Share the content and the links we're posting. It isn't fair for you to hog all the fun to yourself. No, it's not fair. In fact, it's annoying. It, like, I, I get that, you know, you love everything we do and you want to keep it to yourself, but it's a podcast. It's supposed to be listened to by other people. You know, there's that old saying, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, did it make a sound? Well, if a podcast right. is broadcast and it's fantastic, but only one person hears it, is it really that good? The answer is yes, but it's got to be shared. That's the answer, Rob. We're talking to you, one listener. But hey, uh, just to remind you, the podcast is on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. We're on threads too, but we don't really post there because we don't know how to do that. I don't even know but that threads is still around. Is threads, threads it is, 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 is it Mark is. Zuckerberg's uh, Twitter, right? Yeah, it's Instagram's Twitter. Yeah. It's Instagram's <laughs> Twitter called Threads. Yeah. But yeah. why do you only can you only message about clothing? I don't know, man. I don't know. No, why is it, why is it called no. threads? I don't know. You're Thinking asking the wrong like thread. All right, guys, let's get in this summary. I really, uh, what a fun episode. Are you ready, Richard? Uh, I am, man. I am ready. Do that thing you do. All right. Dean is dreaming about sitting on a dock fishing when Castiel gives him instructions on a place to meet him in the real world. Castiel has special information for him. Sam and Dean arrive at the location. And it is in shambles and marked with 
and angelic sigils. An angel battle took place here. They find Castiel's body, but it isn't Castiel. It's Jimmy Novak, the vessel for Castiel. Castiel is nowhere to be found, and Jimmy Novak just wants to go home to his wife and daughter. In a flashback, we see that Jimmy Novak was a devout Christian who was in contact with Castiel. Through a series of miracles, Jimmy proves his loyalty to Castiel. Jimmy's wife, Amelia, thinks he's mentally ill and he needs help. Jimmy refuses and offers himself to Castiel for whatever his needs are. Castiel possesses Jimmy's body and leaves the family home. In the present, we see Sam explaining to Jimmy that he needs to stay with the brothers. Demons are looking for him. Later that night in the motel room, Dean sleeps. Sam slips out to discreetly drink demon blood. Jimmy takes the opportunity to sneak out as well. Boy, Sam and that demon blood, huh? Man, he loves that demon blood. Didn't drink out of a flask, though. Got to pour it in his hand first. No. Which makes no sense. (laughs) That's true. Sam and Dean head out to find Jimmy. Anna appears and tells them Castiel was sent back to heaven. She doesn't know why, but it isn't good. Jimmy, meanwhile, arrives at his home, having been gone for a year. After a trepid welcome from his wife... He is allowed to stay for dinner with his daughter. Roger, a neighbor, knocks on the door and is curious where Jimmy's been. They were best friends. Suddenly, Roger reveals himself to be a demon. Sam and Dean bust onto the scene and save the family. Jimmy realizes that by staying, he is a danger to his wife and daughter. Amelia and Claire leave. Later, Jimmy finds out his family's been captured by demons. The boys and Jimmy head out to find them. Jimmy pleads to Castiel for divine help. He and the brothers get captured. Amelia is now possessed by one of the demons, and she shoots Jimmy in the stomach. Suddenly, Claire reveals she is now the vessel for Castiel. She quickly takes on the demons. Sam and Dean join the fight. In the melee, Sam takes the opportunity to drink blood from a demon that has been stabbed. Dean and Castiel see it and are freaked out. Sam uses his regained powers to banish the demon possessing Amelia. As Jimmy lies dying, Castiel, via Claire, comforts him and tells him that Claire is special too and that he will use her as a vessel. Jimmy begs Castiel to use him instead. Leave Claire alone. Castiel agrees to his wishes and takes Jimmy as his vessel once again. Later, Dean asks Castiel what information he had for him. Castiel ignores Dean's request and says he only works for heaven. On the road, Sam is anxious to hear what Dean thinks about what he saw, the demon blood drinking. Right. So... That's what he saw. Yeah. But Dean doesn't want to talk about it. Bobby calls and asks them to come to his place to show them something. Once there, Bobby and Dean trap Sam in the safe room. Dun, dun, dun. Ba, ba, ba. Okay, let's get right into this. R, 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 Rich Review. Uh, let's talk about the easy payday for Jim Beaver. Mr. I'm in this episode <laughs> <laughs> and literally worked Just, a half a day. Must be nice, Jim Beaver. Same with Julie McNiven. Just McNiven popped in, up in the, the back, back of, of a car. car, but at least I felt like she kind of was there early. And I don't know. You're right. She just sat in the back of the car. But nonetheless, like I was sitting there watching. I saw Jim's name in the credits. I'm like, oh, where's Jim Beaver? At the end, he's like, hey, guys, I got to tell you something. Roll credits. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of times with Jim Beaver, like, uh, you know, he's he was in like 80 episodes. But like many of them, him just going like, boys. We got a problem. You <laughs> idiots. Yeah. You know? Hey, listen, that's a <laughs> yeah. great gig. You can get it. Yeah. And a fine actor he is. A couple of things I want to talk about this episode. Uh, and I know that everybody's going to go, eh, Misha's so great. Well, I'm here to tell you, I agree. Misha's really, really right. great. Right. Does a great job. He, listen, and we're not just saying it because we're fans of Misha and he's a friend. He, I didn't know this episode existed. I no. knew there was a Jimmy Novak episode. And if right. I'm being perfectly honest, 
I thought this episode was the one where I thought it was a different episode. I thought it was a completely different episode. I didn't know it was the Jimmy Novak episode. I thought Jimmy Novak episode came later, and I thought this was the one where they go in the future and I talk about toilet paper. I thought I was in this episode. Oh, that would be a shocking watching, uh, revelation. Watching the beginning, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't get a front end credit." I love that and immediately realized, you got your ego bruised about something that had nothing yeah. to do with you. Like those sons of bitches, you're hammering out a letter on your typewriter as they. Uh, To my agent. Dear CW. But let me tell you, I was so pleasantly surprised. What a great episode. And Misha doesn't miss a beat. He just, he's so good. And the two characters are so different. You realize how much of a character he's playing in Castiel. Yeah. And and I got to tell you something. This happens in TV a lot. And people do not realize this outside the world that you and I are in. When they auditioned Misha, they auditioned him as Castiel. Right. And he came in going, Dean, you got to go this way and that way and follow what I say. Mm-hmm. And so they cast that guy based on that. For all they yeah. know, everything else he is going to do in different facets of the character are going to be giant turds. He, they have no idea what they've yeah. hired. And so yeah. Misha's given this task sight unseen. There's no re-auditioning the guy. Mm-hmm. He's got the role. They don't know what he's going to do for mm-hmm. Jimmy Novak. They don't know he's going to play the emotion of all that. He crushes it. They had to be doing mm-hmm. backflips when they got the dailies mm-hmm. back as they were shooting this episode. Mm-hmm. And luckily it's a Charles yeah. Beeson episode, so it's, it's in the steady hands of a veteran. But nonetheless, Misha's yeah. great in it. His relationship with his daughter and his, his, yeah. his wife, the vulnerability he shows, the, the blind faith he shows, yeah. the abject disappointment of realizing he's been sort of betrayed, if you will, or that it didn't turn out to be what he thought it was going to be. Yeah. Just great. Just so well done. Yeah. It's a Jeremy Carver episode. Oh, yeah. One of the best as well. So you got the, the best and the best. It was it was so well done. Yeah. I loved everything, every part that Misha had in this. And Rob knows, I don't say this lightly, because Misha is not a good person. He cheats in Wordle. And I, I don't... <laughs> yeah, that's I, true. I, he does cheat in Wordle. I don't think he's a quality person yeah. currently, now. Well, we're also burned right now because Misha possibly, or so he says... Got Wordle in two. Two days in a row. Days in a row. Yeah, which just, just does not make and he, any Misha sense. Misha normally gets, normally he's a five, five six. Five, like six, maybe right. he just doesn't even show up. Yeah. Two back to back. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Shady. So. Thank you. Welcome to my world, Richard. Now you get it. Yeah, well, I mean, I you used to accuse me of cheating because I would get it in four once. You know, like, whatever. Everybody who's not me cheats. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, that's the title of your autobiography, I hope. Um, exactly exactly yeah no but so anyway we're, we're talking nicely about misha and we're doing it through gritted teeth so just know that everybody <laughs> that he's a wordle cheater uh and a cheater in wordle <laughs> and if you cheat in wordle it, you gotta wonder what's under the hood where else do you cheat but i'll move on yeah. i'm just thinking taxes if you're with the irs i'd give that a look i'm just gonna move on um i think misha did an unbelievable job he was, yeah. I just loved his vulnerability and, and his performance. Yeah. It was just great. And the writing was great. Yeah. The, I bought everything about this setup. I just thought it was so well yeah. done. And his return and his buddy coming in to talk to him, like, oh, I'll grab a beer. Just such a lovely familiarity. Yeah. And it, it was just great. Yeah. And like I said, I, I knew this episode, I knew this episode was out there. I didn't quite know it. This is the way it went. And you know, the fact that it was this early in the Castiel storyline as we know it, like what I'm trying to say is this is season four. He just started in season, beginning of season four. So like, it's a big, it's a big ask to give this actor who's been on at this point, what, six or seven episodes. So this is a big episode for him and he just nails it. So he did a great um, job. 
I, 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 I possibly one of my favorite episodes so far of the show. Aid, aid, so aid, gonna, aid, aid, I'll say his story. To take a storyline that isn't the boys and go on this other journey for an origin story, it's incredibly yeah. compelling. It, it changes yeah. how you look at Castiel because now you understand the suit he's wearing and the right. the heart and mind of the man exactly. who exactly. said yes to yeah. this and why. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. And now, uh, and and also, Jensen and Jared were happy because they didn't have to work as much on this episode. They got a couple of days off to go tear up the town. A couple of days. You know who paid the yeah. price for this episode? The the watering holes of Vancouver. <laughs> well, of course, they made a lot of money that weekend, <laughs> but also a couple of tables are flipped over. Who knows? What I want? A couple of things I want to say that I that I was like a little bit of a eh, for me. One I kind of mentioned in the summary. Oh. I didn't really get the Debbie Downer. I didn't get the uh, like Sam's not eating demon Tic Tacs. Like, why do you take open a <laughs> flask and pour it in your hand like that didn't make any sense to me for the, for the blood so that we could see it as the audience i know but you got to come up with another yeah. way man like drink have like something go down the chin or something but it made literally like rob when you're at a party and i've seen you do this yeah. and you pull like a small vial of coke because you want to get a little bump to get the thing rolling right. you you put it on yeah. a mirror or a solid table or something where it's not going to get absorbed you don't put it on in the in the sugar bowl where it gets mixed up or in the carpet you do it no, where you, you can it, get you a nice it, solid toot to get get. No, the, you put it in the web of your hand and you right. slide it right off the web of your you hand. Know you know how to get from the, from the vial to the to the nose into the body, yes. so you can rock and f and roll. And but if you, you put it, if you right put the blood the in your hand, it's going to leave residue demon blood in the creases of your hand. You're not going to get all the quality demon blood you want into your body. It's a waste of demon blood. So just from a logistic no, standpoint, just, I don't like it. From a story standpoint, it didn't make sense. You just proved yourself wrong because it, the, the, you don't snort the coke from the vial. You snort the coke from your hand. You, he's he, this the vial. A liquid the, and a this, and, this a, and, and a, the the coke you get is the good stuff, and it's not going <laughs> to work its way into the skin like that unless you sit there for a minute, which you don't, because you are a a, a real coke. I'm so coked up. Um, yeah, because I'm real coked up. And then so uh, <laughs> that's not going to be a problem for you. And this isn't your episode about your coke addiction either. This is about Jared and Sam and the blood. And the blood is going to get sucked. Uh, Go do it now. Go put syrup on your hand. Look it up. You're still going to have syrup there. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Noted. Noted. And what's the other? The other thing is, Debbie Downer. Sam cuts a woman on the neck like this little, like, nick and and leans down and comes back looking like a four-year-old and buried himself in a cake. (laughs) Like, he literally goes down to, like, suck the blood off the woman. She has... Just a droplet, <laughs> visible. And he goes down like, suck, suck, suck. And then he looks up, he's like, huh? And you're like, <laughs> you almost want a dean to go, Sam, did you drink the demon blood? Uh, no, no, dean, and I resent the, uh, the, the, the character assassination. Yeah, I thought that, that from a makeup standpoint, that's I was true. like, well, that's a I'm little over the top. <laughs> and then they had to have yeah. a conversation. He looked like, literally, he was like, Look at every child I ever had right. after their first birthday when you, you know, put the cake out. Right. Anyway, so the, I th- those two things yeah. bump for me a little bit. Yeah, but I but I appreciate that there that his his demon blood addiction is sort of they're using the metaphor of like you know like a drug addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the, good performance. It's just, those are, those are not performing uh, notes. Those are just kind of no, 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 I know, no, story no, notes, kind of funny. Um, <laughs> So let's get yeah. into the, All right, so what, we know we love yeah, it. We you, know the Jim Beaver got a big check for doing very little. We know that <laughs> Sam and Dean did great. We also know that maybe Jared should get his drugs differently into his body and maybe not make a mess of sucking out of the 
body of a uh-huh. dead human. Anyway, so let's give a, a score to this, a beard score. I'm going to give this. Yeah, I'm Kenny Loggins. What? I'm Kenny Loggins. I'm Kenny Loggins. Oh, wow. I'm not. Okay. It's not the full. It's not. It's not Footloose, which I've established a couple episodes ago as my my ultimate ultimate goal. Right. But it. But it is. It's eighties uh, Kenny Loggins. I really really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I, this I did too. I'm not going Stapleton just because I think there's a couple of like those kind of things that keep it from being a perfect perfect episode. But I'm going to go solid strong episode. I'm going to go nineteen. 19- 69 charlie manson oh i think it's a strong episode uh and uh, you know charlie had a nice beard the hippies related to him uh it was full um i just think i I think it makes sense but it wasn't you know there's something going on that didn't just a couple things that didn't quite work in charlie's case is that he was planning uh the murder of an entire (laughs) mass murder uh affluent section of los angeles to race bait them into a race war that would hopefully end society and in our case with the show it was the blood drinking (laughs) wow that's that took a turn your beard metaphor to really took a turn well i just watched once upon a time in hollywood (laughs) so i had oh i had the manson on the mind you're like you know i'm gonna give it the jim jones We got the David Koresh. Uh, I think it's. Uh... I'm gonna give it the David Koresh. To... Um, uh, all right, there you have it, guys. Uh, I gave it the Kenny Loggins, and Rich gave it the uh, the Killer of the Week. 1969. Week specific to the year. I don't want the later prison Manson where he looked like a nutbag. Okay. I'm talking about pre pre murder Manson. Okay, pre murder. Uh, we've <sighs> got a great interview uh, today. Uh, it's always fun having returning guests. We're developing our own roster of returning guest stars. And these folks are special because they bring such a unique perspective, having worked on the show for nearly its entire run. I learn something every time, every time. Yeah, yeah, especially with this guy. Um, We had such a lovely conversation with the producer, Todd Ehrenauer. And here's our interview with Todd. Thanks for coming back uh, to discuss the show with us. For starters, just a little quick side note. We were just talking before we started the interview about the fact that Todd is on What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. which is just such a cool yeah, show to be working on. It's a ton on. of fun. That's awesome. awesome. Great people working on it, coming on when I did, is uh, just really welcoming and good to be part of it. Yeah, it's fun. it's really fun. That's a cool yes. show. If people aren't watching that, they should check it out. The movie is also, by the way, I'm a massive fan of the movie um, that launched the whole series. So. I give my uh, all, my children... Every Christmas, for the last several Christmases, I've been giving them tchotchkes that had to do have to do with that show. So, like this last time, it was like little keychains that had you know like Nandor on them. But I just got my um, Funko Pops. <laughs> yes. my first of <laughs> nice. Of yeah, many. I've got a couple of them. Uh, won't be delivered until like June or July. Okay. Yeah, I got I got them Funko Pops as well. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. All right, speaking of Funko Pops, we're talking about. Castiel, and uh, there's a big episode for him in, at the end of season four. So before we get into sort of that that dynamic, season four was a pivot from Monster of the Week to Angel Demon. Do you recall much chatter amongst the team about this topic, about making that shift? For the for, arc of the yeah, season? Yeah, yeah. Just going from Monster of the Week to now in yeah. the season, talk, you know, we're, do, we're doing angels, we're doing demons, we're doing, you know, the higher-ups of heaven. Season three, there was a drastic shift, mm-hmm. and a lot of that had to do with, with the strike back then. It was a shortened season right. coming out of the strike. We did, I think it was four episodes, starting with uh, Ghost Facers being the first one. And I think from that point, there was an obvious shift of tone at the end of last season because um, writers had 
a lot of time to just ideate different storylines, different different structures. Even though Kripke did have the first five seasons mapped out in his own brain, it, it, there was talk. Once there was, uh, you introduce heaven, you introduce demons, then what's the opposite of demons? Angels, heaven, hell, and you start to introduce a lot more of the open up the world and it wasn't necessarily a specific discussion i don't think outside of the writer's room in the writer's room i I wasn't really privy to that part of it but i'm sure that they had uh, a lot of discussions kicking around with uh with the story brainiacs that uh that were in there and jeremy carver being one of them yeah here's a question because well, you, Eric has talked about how he had rejected the idea of doing angel stories forever, like out of hand. Anybody who pitched an angel story is like, no, no way. We're not doing that. And then he makes this pretty seismic shift, as Rob pointed out. Even though you're not in the writer's room when that's happening, you're down the hall. You got a whole, you're the whole staff is there and, and prepping for the show and following the scripts as they come out. Was it a surprise to see the, this really redesigning of the show? Rob, kind of like if you go from Monster of the Week to one giant arc that's carrying through with basically another series regular, you know, you, you're kind of it's a it's a big change. I'm curious, even just as a member of the inner circle, was it eyebrow raising at all? Like, oh, wow, we're really doing something different now. Well, the introduction of Castiel, that was never he was never supposed to be a series regular. He was never supposed to be as prominent in, in the series as he became. So I think in editing, when we were cutting his first episode, his first couple episodes, it's like, wow, we really have some storylines we can we could draw upon. We really have somebody that we could make more of a meal out of and go in this direction that we didn't really think uh, we didn't really think was uh, was a serious direction before, but now we do, seeing how it's pieced together. Yeah, and and, and this episode it's, it's a great example of that. Like, you know, the whole idea of like. The the Castiel is an angel inside a meat suit, which just happens to be, you know, Jimmy, this character. And then we get to find out who he was and what his family was like. Now, do you recall the most challenging aspect of this episode, The Rapture? Was it like the VFX or was it, you know, the vanquishing touch or wire removal, if there was any or anything like that? Do you remember any? There really wasn't too much visual effects in this episode. Yeah. There was the, the the escaping demons. There was the slashes and and the angel effects coming in and out of jimmy yeah so it wasn't a big episode visual effects wise it was really editing and just making the story interesting and build the tension because it's fairly slow for a lot of yeah and you do have a different storylines going on sam drinking the blood and demon blood and what he's going through and his powers struggling with that dean seeing it so it it's a lot of the emotional side of Jimmy yeah. realizing he's back and he's with his family and then wanting to get Castiel back into his body. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different storylines where y- you got to tell each story and, and give it its time. So in editing, it was finding the right pacing, the right yeah. time to make that all interesting and not any one of them, not do disservice to any one of those storylines. Right. What about when like the characters cut their, cut themselves with the knives and the blood and all that? Is that... Is that VFX or is that a rigged? That's practical. We have actors. We we have them sign waivers <laughs> and say that this needs to happen. Practically. Yeah, and that that's why I tell you right right now, post strike, 
You could get that waiver signed by a lot of people. A lot of people will be uh, on board with uh, yeah, doing that right. kind of thing right now. <laughs> Doctor um, standing by. Some of that, yeah. uh, some of that is special effects on set where it might be practical or or some of it's practical. And then we just do some visual effects cleanup. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we might have the wound there and then visual effects just erases it yeah. at the start yeah. of it. And then it's just revealed. Yeah. Um, so depending on what production has time for and what they could do, those seem fairly small, uncomplicated. I wouldn't be surprised if I, if production had done them and maybe visual effects did some cleanup. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, the, 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 not a lot of VFX in this episode, it really, it's held together by performances and Misha is so great in this episode, uh, how he switches back. I mean, that Jimmy is so different than Castiel. Dude. When did you first meet Misha? Uh, first time I met him face to face would have been ADR when he came in for ADR. any one of his episodes where we needed him to come in and do a better performance than what he did on the day. <laughs> which was, which was often. No. Uh, <laughs> Shouldn't say better or different. It might've been just, uh, or just clean yeah. up, just fix some bumps in the mic. You must have to see those actors many times before you start to develop it, a rapport. Is that, is that it, it, fair it to depends. say? Some, it, a lot has to do with their attitude when they come in. Are they receptive to it? Are they nervous about it? Some actors need uh, a little bit more coaching and direction in that i'm gonna tell you and, and i'm saying right now nobody's better at adr than rob Benedict. i've seen him do it it's jarring how good he is at like replacing dialogue and and rob for the listeners at home since this is your area of expertise you're good at it yeah. let's explain what adr is because i don't i don't think that terminology is something we've like yeah uh well this is before. where uh you know the actors will come in and uh and replace or change their dialogue a lot of times what it is, is you're adding grunts and screams and breaths. Sometimes you're just like, <sighs> you know, if you're, you know, it's a running scene or something. It's something they didn't get practically when you're on set or something they need to change from what you did on set. Todd, what, is it, what does it ADR stands for? Right. Uh, th there's uh I always thought it was automatic dialogue replacement or something. I thought additional dialogue recording. What is it? Yeah, it's both. It could be either uh, additional dialogue replacement, dialogue recording, uh, uh, audio dialogue recording. Right. And and David ran. Like, it exactly. could be whatever you wanted to be. It doesn't really, like, it could be. <laughs> ADR truly has no meaning I'm discovering yeah, right now. <laughs> it's just gibberish. I, I will say about ADR and seeing the guitar behind Robin, knowing both of you guys are music, musically inclined. Honestly, people that do play instruments, that uh, that sing, that get the, the rhythm and the timing and and the beats of, of music and, and have a musical background, yes. they do pick up on ADR a lot quicker yeah. uh, just right out of yeah. the gate because it is a timing, a pacing, yeah. a, a rhythm, a cadence that after hearing what you've done and because if it's a production fix that that we have to do not that production did anything wrong but sometimes there's a like a, a mic yeah. hit a mic yeah. tap or, or muffled or, or yeah clothing rustle yeah. um a, a, as well as sometimes it might be performance of a word yeah. or or connecting sentences but hearing what you've done in production and what the producers are going for and getting that it, it's a timing to jump in at the right yeah. spot because the way ADR works, the way the actor would get their cue is on screen and audibly. Uh, sometimes it's a streamer where you see two lines. And as soon as those two lines come together, right. then 
Right. The actor would start their line or uh, it's the The beeps. You hear the the three beeps and then it's the fourth, the imaginary beep. Which which is very musically inclined because it's a rhythm, right? Right. So you're getting that countdown like two, three, four. Exactly. And then telling the whole band to start. So, And not to mention the imaginary beeps is a great band in the early 80s. I loved the imaginary beeps. They were doing new wave before anyone else. You know? And the way they'd count it in, they'd go one, two, three. Little and then start playing. I mean, always leave that <laughs> the blank fourth beat. Coming off four and a half. Uh, yeah, Rob's jarringly good at it. And I always assume it's because he's a lead singer in a band, which I think I, is probably I, that. I never so thought that about that, but I'm sure you're, you're, yeah. you're used to being on microphone or you're used to hearing yourself back in your headphones. Specifically with Misha, not necessarily the Rapture episode, but specifically with his ADR, a lot of times for when he first started, we thought there was something with wrong with his with his mic with his lav mic because when he does his castiel voice he goes in such a low register and his lav mic is usually taped to his shirt close to his chest and because he's in such a low register it would cause his chest to rattle and also the mic to rattle that's crazy so on on the technical side mike lachey who you guys have had on he would often be like i we have to talk to sound mixer we have to don pancho we have to talk to him because misha's mic it, it's broken it's rattling and he needs to replace it i talk to don i mean like he uses a different mic each time it's not his love mic it's something else and then uh i think even jared or jensen kind of put their hand on his chest at one point not knowing the mic issue was just like wow feel his chest when he does that wow because because they have their own character voices that they do once it's action. Right. They go into their sort of lower register tone, yeah. their on-camera persona. Yeah. Uh, and Misha's was just so low, it was just causing his his mic to rattle like that. And it took us a a while to figure that out. But yeah, you don't even realize how what he's he's how low he's actually going from his normal voice until you get to this episode. And, you know, knowing these guys now yeah. and, you know, hearing the way they sounded, whatever, almost 20 years ago, it was funny. At first, I thought that his Jimmy voice was actually ADR'd in from, you know what I mean? It was so, it was like, hey, everybody, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm Jimmy. That's a lot closer to his. Let's extra, extra, war brings out it, Europe. Yeah. I was really, uh, that was, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's really wild. So here's a question for you about uh, kind of di- dipping back into the episode itself. One of the things that's different about this episode is that at the end of the episode, it doesn't say to be continued. It says soon. And there are previews of future episodes, which unless I'm mistaken, I don't remember seeing that. My first thought was, oh, this episode ran short. They needed to put filler material in this thing. But I don't know. Like, what? what why was that all there? That's exactly right. When you're delivering for for a network, the streamers and cable off-network providers, they don't really have these strict guidelines that networks do because networks have to deliver international, they have to deliver domestic. So they have, and they also have to be within a certain amount of time. The episodes have to be to a specific time, including credits and logos at the end. It needs to be to the second. And they want it to be exactly to the second of what their target time is for every episode. So are you saying that this episode came in under? So this episode came in short. So sometimes what we did, CW, we would always find out, okay, our target time is 42.30. How short can we be? 
how much can we come under that? And how much is acceptable? And they would say, well, send us the episode and, and we'll see. And it happened a number of times. So there's a bunch of episodes throughout the series where we found filler stuff to do. But a lot of times we came in really short and we would have to ask, well, what's why can't we come in under? And they would say, well, we have a domestic delivery time, but then international, we have to deliver to a certain time. We ended up a bunch of times having a domestic delivery that was at a lower running time and we'd have to find filler to fulfill our international delivery time so international we after much uh talking to people going down the line asking why 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 getting it and figuring out what we can deliver a shorter domestic episode and just do those coming soons for international so the coming soons a lot of times those i don't even think aired domestically i think they were only delivered so we would deliver two separate masters an international master and a domestic master having different running times isn't one of your uh role-playing names international yeah. master rob i feel like that when you're yeah but, <laughs> going to your sex club you call, you say i'm going to the library but i know you mean but only when only when i'm not out of the united states but weird but here you go by domestic yeah. master it's interesting i like the way you Switch it up. Uh, and you talk with an accent overseas. Uh, I got to tell you, Robin, I mean this. There's never a time we have Todd on that I don't, I don't walk away feeling either a little smarter or a little dumber. But mainly what it is, is there's a lot that I don't know that goes on in your department, my friend. And I always find these conversations fascinating. So thank you again for coming and having one of those conversations with us today. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Definitely more to talk about. We'll have you back again. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Hey, this is Jensen. I hope you're enjoying the episode, uh, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages, and I got to take a leak. Thanks for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. Well, that was great. Always uh, love having the returning guests and Todd. I'm just smarter now. I know more stuff. I'm just telling you. Yeah. It, it's it's no joke. And I thought I thought you I thought you knew everything, but it turns out you don't. Okay, before we go to the next segment, we have a clip to play from our conversation with Misha earlier this season referencing this episode. Let's hear what Misha had to say. Okay, so in season uh, episode 20 of this season, you played Jimmy Novak, who's Castiel's vessel. Mm-hmm. We wanted to ask you a question about that, like how was your performance different to depict Jimmy? Well, I tried to create a contrast. So I tried not to have the same voice and, you know, just tried to do regular human. What did he do? What, Jimmy was what does a, Jimmy do? Jimmy was a complicated character because I wish we had been able to get more into that character because in the story, uh, an angel cannot take possession of a vessel. This becomes important when the archangel Michael is trying to get Dean's vessel. Dean has to let him in. Like that was a big, I don't know if you remember, but that was a big part of that storyline. It's like getting right. Dean to acquiesce, getting Dean to say yes. So this character, Jimmy, who is a father and a husband and an employee is like, you know what? You can take my body and my life, go for it. And I don't feel like we got into that story enough mm. because how desperate do you have to be? How miserable do you have to be in your life to agree to let a supernatural being take over your body? Yeah. And we we touched on sort of his piousness, um, but I think it would have been interesting to show like this guy 
having some real issues. Yeah. <laughs> to to actually be willing. It's basically suicide. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't think that he thought it was permanent, but I'm not sure. You say he I was a he, pious. He probably thought he was a pious. Parent. Yeah, he was. He was religious. Uh-huh. I think we we know that because he was like he he was speaking to the angel right prior to yeah. Hmm. It's funny when you said that I, I had the thought like oh was he like a priest or something that would have been uh, you couldn't really commit to that then you'd have to wear a priest outfit the whole time. Yeah, he was. I think he he wore. He wore a rumpled suit. Yeah, yeah he had to, right? That's trench coat. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what you're, when yeah. you take over, that you're taking over his body. That's what he's wearing. Yeah. I also got the wardrobe. You got to yeah. keep it? Oh, no, you yep. got the, did you, do you have that? I got, I, did you keep the? Of course I do. Yeah. I have like four suits. <laughs> yeah. Four trench coats. What was the thing? Yeah. Isn't there something specific about the tie? It just, it's just sort of undone. The tie is like backwards. Right. The, the front bit of the tie is backwards and it's all screwed up. And it was actually because I, early on, I, I was like tying my tie myself and I tied it wrong and it flipped around and then we shot a whole scene. It was backwards. And then we were like, well, I guess that's, let's just to say it's established that way. Oh my God. And so that became, Oh my God, that's tie. hilarious. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Scholars years from now will try to figure out yeah. why. There were so many things like that that were kind of like some weird accident or whatever. That was great. Right, uh, right from the horse's mouth. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Within the Bible, angels' natural state is made up of entirely light. However, they do at times take human form to deal with practical matters on Earth. Angels in human form most frequently occur in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Hebrew Bible and Christian Old Testament. Rob, what's the second book of the Bible? After Genesis? Uh, yes. That's, uh, uh, I don't know. Do you? It's Phenesis. I do. No, I don't. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Ecclesia. Uh, no. A lot of things are coming clear right now, buddy. A lot of things are coming clear. I know. And I was in, Cath- I was Ex- in Catholic school Ex- for 12 years. Well, somebody with what? Your eyes closed? It's Exodus. Yeah. Exodus. 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 It narrates the primeval history of the world, Rob. In Genesis 18, Abraham welcomed three guests who appeared at first to be nothing more than some travelers. In Genesis 19, two angels went to the town of Sodom, where they were assumed to be simply a pair of human visitors looking for a good time. (laughs) In Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles an angel in human form so that they are on equal footing. During the confrontation, Jacob dislocates his hip. Who knew that that happened in the Bible? And that's the very first hip hip replacement. (laughs) Happens right there. It's the first time anybody anybody uh, in, in recorded history had gone, uh, time, <laughs> time out. out, time out. Whoa, 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 I think hip. I hurt my hip. There is no mention of vessels, so there is no way to know how angels pick what their human form looks like. There you go. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll learn in this next segment called Fun Facts! Fun Facts! Uh, this is fun. Okay. The title is a reference to the second coming of Jesus, as described in the book of Revelation, in the Bible, when all who are true believers will rise up to heaven upon his return. In Brazil, it was called the shape of an angel. In Germany, it was called the second coming. In Hungary, it was called demons. And in Japan, it's called the happy fun boat that kills you. <laughs> uh, I think Brazil got it right. It feels That feels like best of all of them. Jimmy Novak was from Pontiac, Illinois. In the beginning of season four, Dean was buried in Pontiac, Illinois, where he was raised from the grave by Castiel. Ha! Huh. 
Interesting. That's got to be just a coincidence, <laughs> right? This, they didn't do that. That's pretty great. The name Jimmy Novak may be referring to Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak, who starred together in the Hitchcock movie Vertigo. Another theory is that the last name Novak came from Richard Spate's seventh grade science teacher, Very Frank good. Novak. The real truth right. will never be known. But uh, I, Jimmy Novak is such a great name. It's like from a comic book. You know, the, the Castiel's human name is Jimmy Novak. I know. Uh, Coincidence, question mark? There is also a real Jimmy Novak, a Chicago radio host who used to run a segment called 420 Hit of the Day. And this, of course, is episode 20 from season four. Which, by the way, we didn't really talk about the fact that it's episode 420, which right. explains why, for people who don't know and they can't see us, why yes. Rob is smoking a joint. Because 420 is smoke a joint well. day. April 20th or 420th. I think it's based on a law to outlaw marijuana or something back yeah, in the day. Yeah, so there are different theories uh, about like what 420 for, yeah. We got a 420 uh, going on uh, over here. But yes, yeah, something right? like that. There, there, there are different theories of what that means. But uh, it is true that uh, on the airplane, when I watched this episode, I'm like, which, whoa, whoa, which one is it? Oh, 420. That's how I remembered it. Yeah. And I say, in the same way that I fly the American flag on 4th of July, on 420, Rob gets high. And when you say 420, episode 420 and we knew this was coming rob said fine i'll do it but i'm gonna be high and when i'm working with rob on a convention or anywhere on any uh, professional environment and the clock strikes 420 rob gets high and i admire that commitment to honoring what 420 means yeah and stands well, that's, for. that's the so tip of the cap to you sir that is the point i mean that's you know and on april 20th we go nuts remember the old factory site when castiel instructs dean to meet him Misha has been quoted in interviews saying, we went and shot at an abandoned warehouse last week and Jared and Jensen and I did get scolded for breaking some windows. In Colin's defense, he tried to point out that the windows that were asking Misha, for it. Misha. And that's the kind of logic that'll get you canceled <laughs> from the window community. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, this is a great episode, man. I mean, great to see the origin story of, of, of Castiel and Jimmy Novak and, Great to see that Misha isn't just a pretty face. He's a heck of an actor, uh, cheater and wordle, but a but a wonderful performer on television. And I, I think it was really cool to watch him do what he did. And, and Jeremy Carver set him up for success with a great script, well directed by Beeson. It's just a really. I good agree. Episode. I agree. So good. And uh, yeah, and I'm excited about the end of the season. This is uh, it's really ramping up to be a exciting finish. So please, sure please join is. us on the. On the trip, on the road, so far. Hey, good, 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 good pun, good pun. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester, and Misha Collins as Castiel. Guest stars include Jim Beaver, Julie McNiven, Wynne Everett, and Sidney Imbo. The Rapture was written by Jeremy Carver, directed by Charles Beeson. Editing by Anthony Pinker, music by Jay Gruska. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer, this episode originally aired on April 2nd, 2009. This episode of Supernatural Then and Out was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holsher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, buddy? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And become a member of the podcast at patreon.com slash SPN then and now.
right. So uh, we'll, we'll probably go get right into it, and uh, we'll do the intro later um, so we can talk about you behind your back. Uh, right. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, and I have some, I have some <laughs> to say about Todd. Story Bell Media. 